So over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled, Why? Why? <laughs> because. I'll tell you what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this issue of living generously. See, when it comes to generosity, the truth is that it's usually circumstantial. I want you to consider what I'm saying here. It's a circumstantial affair. It has to do with feelings. It has to do with seasons. It has to do with specific occasions or special occasions. And while being generous in moments is good, the truth is that that's not entirely godly. Listen to what I'm talking about here. See, generosity is not simply the act of giving circumstantially. Generosity isn't about what you give. It's about what you live. Let me say that again. Generosity is not about what we give. It's about what we live. See, circumstantial generosity is not what the scriptures call us to. I want us to look to the word of God and see what it has to say on this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 10. Now watch what it says. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower, somebody say seed to the sower, and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now we have to pause here for a moment and consider the magnitude of what the scripture is saying. The scripture says that God gives us seed to sow and bread to eat. What I want you to see is that our position in life, our posture in life is this. Everybody do this with me. Raise your hands up nice and high. Right? Now I want you to consider what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be funnels. Right? A funnel receives and passes through and translates. It conveys. You can put your hands down. Don't worry about it. Some of you are still keeping them up. That's all right, man. I, I celebrate your generosity. That's awesome. But I want you to see that the giver is not us. The giver is God. And God supplies seed to the sower. So our job is to sow what God has imparted to us. But he also meets our need, right? So that's a good God. Now look at verse 11. It says, you will be enriched in every way. So God supplies to all in every way. Watch this. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Every occasion. And watch this. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Listen, if we ever want to worship God, if you ever want to bring praise to God, one of the ways to do that is by living generously. Now, this is not my opinion. This is according to the scriptures. And the only way that we can fulfill the will of God as it pertains to this call to living generously is to take seriously that we are called to be generous on every occasion. On every occasion. See, it's not circumstantial. This is not a call to a moment of generosity. We're called to lead a lifestyle of generosity. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning a key concept about generosity that is transformational. One of the things that we've been seeing is that generosity has, has the power to impact others, but the truth is that it's more so about the impact that God wants to affect in us. I want you to consider this. When it comes to generosity, we think about what we're doing for others, when in reality we have to consider the scriptures and see that it's really about what God is doing to us, what God is doing to you and I. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've learned a couple of things. In week one of this series, we learned that 
Living generously changes our heart. The truth is this, that if we just consider what the scriptures say, God isn't interested in our money. And God's not producing money in heaven. That would be fraudulent. And God's not a fraud. God's not a criminal. Right? The truth is that God is after our heart. And generosity is one of those things that we can do that most closely resembles our giving God, our good God. But here's the thing. The reason why Jesus' ministry, by and large, if you just study out the scriptures in the gospels, you'll see that Jesus spoke more about money than anything else. You know why? It wasn't because he was trying to collect an offering. And by the way, we're not collecting another offering, just so you know. Just want to be clear on that. But it was because it's the one thing that can seize upon our hearts. It can constrain us. It can restrict us. It can, it can seize upon our hearts to such an extent that it robs us of life. In week two, we saw that living generously changes our situation, that it literally has the power to impact us as we co-labor with God. In week three, we learned that living generously changes our lives by teaching us to live in partnership with God. See, God's part is to provide seed to sow and bread to eat. That's his part. But our part, our leg of the race, entails us being wise with the resources that God has entrusted to us. And so God calls us into partnership, but we must understand what that partnership means, what it looks like on a very practical level. If you haven't checked out this series, if you've missed any part of it, I want to strongly encourage you to go back to our YouTube page and listen in. Study the scriptures. Don't take my word for it. Look at what the scriptures say. I guarantee you it will bless you, it will encourage you, and it will equip you to live generously. Well, today, we're all invited to draw a little bit closer to God, to open our hearts, to hear directly from Him through His word. Today's topic we'll be discussing is it changes your church. It changes your church. What's one of the reasons why we should live generously? It's because it impacts change in your church. You know, I had the opportunity a few weeks back to be in Florida with my wife, and uh, we, we met a couple out there that are good, friend of ours, uh, good, uh, good friends of ours, a couple. Uh, they said, hey, you should really meet this couple, these pastors, when you go out to Florida. And so we were out there, and we ended up connecting with uh, Tommy and Lucy Colonin, and great couple. God is doing some amazing things among them. And when we connected with them, I was so moved because I marveled at their story, and it stirred something up in me because it reminded me of how God was faithful to them and how God has been working effectually in the same way in us. You know, they started off a few years back as a small church. They were about 200 people. And, uh, but the thing about it is they were 200 people with a heart that didn't fit in their building. <laughs> These are people that are community-minded. They're solution-minded. These are people that are impact-driven. They do a lot to serve kids, to address needs in the community. They're invested in uh, affecting a lasting impact. Does that sound familiar to anybody who's been here for any length of time? So today, they find themselves in a 43,000-square-foot building that God opened the door for them, literally opened the door for them to take over a Toys R Us building that had been shut down, and God miraculously opened doors for them. And they, they are now loving the city of Tampa in Florida with a fierce love for God and with a devotion and commitment to people. 
These people are changing that city. I'm telling you, they are changing that city. Just in 2020 alone, they distributed over a million pounds of food through their grocery drive through In addition to that, they uh, were able to distribute another 5,000 hot meals that they purchased from local restaurants to serve people in need. Sound familiar? Now, here's the thing. We didn't know these people when we were doing our Giving Wednesdays initiative. But God is doing something amazing. In addition to that, they served over 1,158 children uh, with school supplies. Over uh, another uh, 500 plus children were blessed with Christmas gifts. Over another 400 children attended their trunk or treat. They blessed one of their families in the church who had a great need with a new minivan to ensure their financial viability, viability so that they can continue to go on. And in addition to that, they invested over $10,000 in benevolence to assist with utility bills for families in need during the pandemic. And I celebrate what God is doing there, man. And man, it is good to be around people that understand the heart of God. And as I pondered this and I listened to their story, how God effectually worked in them and through them, and what he's doing today and what's to come for them, I marveled at God and I considered how this was all possible. I'll tell you how it's all possible. It's a community of believers that live generously and understand the impact it makes through the church. Listen closely. Friends, this isn't about comparisons here. That's not our heart, nor will it ever be. But I will say this. I have to admit that since then, I've had a stirring in my heart. I can't shake it because it's so encouraging to see how God started in them and to see what God has started here since we started in 2014. Let me tell you, don't ever measure the impact of what God can do by what you see. Because as I listened to Tommy and Lucy, I marveled at the fact that while they were small, they had such a huge, huge heart that did not fit in their building, and they believed God that they could be the change in their community and beyond. I'm telling you, that's who we are as church at the bridge. Can, can somebody give God some praise in this house? So the reason why I'm so stirred up and encouraged is because I see the same seeds of greatness working in us from the moment we began that is still working in them. See, Church at the Bridge, you are a people committed to God. You're committed to changing the lives of people. You're committed to affecting a lasting impact for God's glory, not only in this city but beyond. Let me give you an idea of what you've done since 2014. Well, let me just go to 2018. Since 2018, when we started our friends and family uh, events, you have helped to serve meals that honor the dignity and humanity of people, of people in our community through our friends and family events to the tune of over 9,000 people. Come on now. Don't tell me that God isn't good and he can't do something when there's somebody who says, use me, God. Since 2014, you've provided a safe space for families through our Trunk or Treat event to the tune of over 12,400 people. Come on, now that is amazing. In 2020 alone, you provided financial support to 12 local restaurants that were struggling, thereby helping them to stay in business and keep people employed, while at the same time feeding over 1,800 people suffering from food instability. 
you invested more than $23,000 into these restaurants. So great is your generosity that it inspired two local community foundations to give another $10,000 to make that, 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 uh, that amount up. God has been good through you. Since 2014, you've helped to provide over 700 gifts during Christmas to children and families in need. And since August 2020, you have helped to serve an additional 1,000 people with prepackaged meals through our community food truck, a truck that you helped to purchase. And you inspired another agency to jump on board and invest an additional 15000 to purchase it. Do you see what is possible? We must take this moment to appreciate how this all works, how God works in the church. It's been through your generosity. It's through the lives of people that don't just give generously circumstantially. It's through the lives of people that understand that generosity is a way of life. I celebrate what God is doing here and God is doing among you. Amen? And so in the book of Acts, we have a great example of how generosity changed the local church. I want you to consider this. The church was going through some difficult times at its onset, at its inception. It was new. It was misunderstood. It wasn't accepted by the majority of the Gentile world because it conflicted with cultural, religious beliefs, many different ways that were abnormal to the known world that, were, that God was working through the church. It was rejected and it was persecuted by those closest to it, the Jews who believed in the promised Messiah but could not believe that Jesus was the Messiah and therefore could not accept him as the Messiah despite the signs that proved it. All they had to do was look to the scriptures and they would have recognized that this was the Messiah. The church in those days at its onset was small in size with a vision that was greater than its natural capacity. Despite these factors, the church that Jesus Christ left at his ascension was a church made up of about 120 people. These were people that were full of the Spirit, and this very quickly multiplied to over 3,000 people. But we have to consider what were the mitigating factors, what was the secret sauce at work in this church that made it such a powerful move of God that caused it to survive during the most difficult times, to thrive, and even to multiply. And to see that, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Listen to what the scriptures say. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Listen to this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
Now, I want you to consider what were some of the factors at play in this early church that are working here at Church at the Bridge. These were people that were devoted to the teaching of the Word, but they were also devoted to each other. This was more than just casual religion. This was more than just a Sunday, fun day, where we see each other Sunday, and then we struggle Monday to Saturday, and then we come back up and try to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. No, these were people that were devoted to the Word and to each other. They lived in awe of what God was doing. In the original Greek, it refers to it, their attention remained fixed. They were in awe at the amazing work that God was doing in them and through them. These people worked together and they gave generously for the common good of all. They shared life together. They remained glad and sincere in heart. And they continually praised God and walked in favor. And as a result, the scripture says that the Lord added to them daily those that were being saved. Listen, these were people that were not merely giving generously. They were living generously. They were devoted in every way, financially, relationally, and with all sincerity. And one of the main reasons why this new movement known as the church in those days became sustainable and is still standing until this day is because it was comprised of people that lived generously through every aspect of their life. Listen, this changed the church as a whole, and it changed the lives of those within it and those within its reach. Let me share a thought with you. You, my friend, you and I hold the change that the church needs to be the change that God intends. Let me say that again. You hold the change that the church needs to be the change that God intends. And I know what some of us are thinking. Oh, this is a setup for an offering. And let me tell you, if that's where you are, my friend, this is how you think. You view the change that God wants to do through you as the change in your pocket. It's insignificant. It's nothing. You view it as lacking impact. You view it as foreign. You view it as small. You view it as unimportant. See, the early church was made up of a mass of people, each playing their part. They did not see what God could do in them and through them as small and as insignificant. No, if anything, they saw it as partnership with God. And they saw the power in what God could do through a people working together to affect a change. This changed the church and equipped the church to change the world. Have you ever thought about this? That the reason why we are here today... The reason why you and I enjoy salvation in Christ, the reason why we are growing in the things of God and we are surrounded in, with a, within a community of people that love God and are making an impact is because a small group of people in the beginning believed that they could. They believed that they could. We are standing on the arms of people, on the lives of people that believed that God could use them and said, send me, God. Is there anybody in this house today that can say, that's me? 
Come on now. Folks, I just want to be crystal clear, according to the scriptures, in saying that a key reason why we should live generously is because it changes the church so it can create a greater change. It's scriptural. It's scriptural. Now, there are some of us that maybe you view it as the change in your pocket. And I want you to see a key ingredient to what's happening in your heart and in your life if that's where you find yourself. Now, I want you to, let me just preface this before we read this from the scriptures by saying this. Listen, if the shoe fits in this regard, don't wear it any longer. It's time to change it. Listen to what Haggai, Haggai chapter 1 Verse 3, starting at verse 3 says, it says, Then the word of the Lord came through the, through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be, to be living in your paneled houses? While this house, meaning his temple, meaning his church, remains a ruin. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Listen to what God says. He says, give careful thought to your ways. Inspect your heart. Inspect your approach to the kingdom. He says, you have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. I want you to consider what God conveys to us through his word. His house matters. His house is important. His house is the means by which he wants to do something to you and through you. Now listen, this isn't my opinion. This is no man's opinion. This is God himself. And I would encourage you to just take a moment to consider the weight of his words when he says this. Consider your ways and consider what you will do differently. I believe that God is speaking to each and every one of us because it's time to be a people that build what's necessary instead of building what's temporary. When we build for ourselves, when we build for our lives, when we build for our castles, we neglect the kingdom of God. And we miss out on what God is trying to do to us and what God wants to do through us for his glory. Can I tell you that living generously is a blessing bestowed upon us by God. And we should aspire to live generously, as the scripture says, on every occasion. On every occasion. In every regard. With our resources, with our talents, but also with our finances. And so for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to give you three ways that living generously changes your church. And the first one that I want to propose to you is that it changes our capacity. Let me say that again. It changes our capacity. Capacity, I know for some of us when we hear that word capacity, you're thinking about limits. You're thinking about the ceiling that you hit eventually as you go upward. But really capacity isn't about containment. Capacity is about expansion. Let me say that again because somebody needs to hear that and you might want to consider writing that. Capacity in the kingdom of God isn't about containment. It's about expansion. You know, I remember years ago, uh, 
and, and we probably need to get back to this at some point, but years ago, we decided one year when we first started that we were going to do a, uh, a summer camp. And so three days out the week, we opened up our doors to about 25 kids from the community, and they would come in, and we would teach them the word, and they would have a great time. They'd learn, and we'd do different activities and, and things that would kind of just bolster their faith and also help them on a very practical level. And once a week, we would take them to a trip. And I remember there was a young lady um, who was in that group of 25 kids who still part of the church. Now she's in college. That just goes to show how many years ago this was. Um, and this girl, Ely, uh, you know, she went on, on one of those trips. And on this particular day, we took them on a Friday to, uh, where was it, FDR State Park, right, down in uh, Jefferson Valley, somewhere around there. Um, and so we took them out there in Westchester County, and we did a bunch of activities, and then we had lunch. And then we capped off the day by taking these kids to the pool. They have a very large pool, so they were all excited about it. And while we're there in the pool, we're all having fun, playing, you know, talking, and growing in relationship with these kids. Many of them still come to the church. Some of them are now in college and all that. But while we were there, this, uh, this young lady, Ely, says to me, Pastor Jose, how about we, you and I undergo a challenge? How about we have a little a contest? That is the worst thing that you could tell Pastor Jose. Because if you know anything about Pastor Jose, he refuses to lose at anything. I am super competitive. It's one of the reasons why I don't compete in everything anymore. Because I'm telling you, man, I, I'm, I'm going for the juggler. Now, you'll have to forgive this pastor, right? I am, I, I do have some human tendencies still. But anyway, she challenges me. She said, well, what's the challenge? Because I'm not going to lose. And she says, how about you and I, I challenge you to see who can hold their breath the longest underwater. And in my mind, I'm saying, I got this. But what I didn't know was that Ely was an NFA swimmer, one of their best swimmers at that time on the swim team. She competed uh, at a very high level. Matter of fact, she, she, she almost got a scholarship to one school for swimming, and she ended up going in a different direction. But anyway, uh, needless to say, she beat me hands down. She absolutely beat me hands down. But let me tell you why she beat me and why I share this thought. See, Ely had devoted herself to developing a greater ability to expand her lungs' capacity for air. In essence, she was such a good swimmer, she was so devoted to her sport and this skill that she literally expanded her lung capacity over time. She stretched her lungs so much so that she could retain more air for a longer period of time. In the same way, living generously and applying its use in the church is about expanding our capacity. It's about expanding the capacity for people. I don't know if you know this, but people's lives are changing in this house. Come on, can we give God some praise? This comes to mind for me. I'm sure that at some point I share this, but not, not so long ago there was a gentleman who comes to the church during one of our services who approached me after the service and he says, Pastor, he says, can I talk to you? And I'm like, okay, it's a secret, right? Like he's whispering and everything. And I come close and he's sitting right here in this area and, and he says, you see that guy? And I'm like, who? He goes, the guy right there, right behind me. And I go, yeah. He goes, Pastor, he used to be my drug dealer years ago. And he says, 
Now we're standing together and he's worshiping God. Come on now, don't tell me that God can't do some amazing things in the lives of people. But what I want you to see is this, that that's what's possible when we expand our capacity, when we make room for God to work in our lives and through our lives. You know why we dare to be different as a church community? Do you know why we dare to do what other churches may not do? It isn't because we're any better than anyone. It's just because we believe God is that big and he can do something through us. Amen? And so, this can't happen unless it becomes a point of practice and application. Let me tell you what I mean. And let me show you what the scriptures say about expanding our capacity. Isaiah 54 verses 1 through 3 says this, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Let me just pause right there for a moment and point something out to you. God is referring to his people as a barren people. He's saying, you haven't yet birthed what I want to do through you. But I've chosen you. And watch what it takes to see what God wants to do through people that have yet to see what God effectually wants to do through his church. Verse 2, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess the nations and settle their desolate cities. Listen to what I'm telling you, church. Consider what the scriptures say, that if we are to ever have this city, and we will, and we're already on our way in that regard. But listen, if we're to ever have this city, and as far as the Lord will take us, and let me tell you, it's more than what we think. We must individually choose to be people who are vested in the increase of the church's capacity. So that there is room for God's people in this house. There is not one person, no matter your experience, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your current circumstances look like, there is no one that isn't welcome here. But let me tell you why. Because there are people that are living generously in this house that are making way for more lives to be transformed. Amen. Let me give you an example about enlarging our territory. And let me preface this by saying, no, we are not taking another offering. We're not into manipulating people's feelings here. That's not who we are at Church at the Bridge. And for those of you that have been here long enough, you know that to be true. And for those of you that are checking us out, whether you're here or online, check out the track history of what God's been doing here. You'll see that what I am saying is more than mere words. It is the truth of how God is working here. But I'll give you an example of enlarging our territory. To take possession of our new facility, and we will take possession of it. To snatch lives from the gates of hell and expand the kingdom of heaven. To effect change that will produce even greater change. We need to change our church's capacity by changing the capacity of our generosity. Listen closely. Open hands. And open lives are the seeds that God uses to bring forth his kingdom. And every one of us qualifies as God's tool 
to be the means by which he does so in his church and through it. Don't miss what God wants to do to you by missing what God wants to do through you. Amen? Amen. The second reason that I, I, I want to encourage you to live generously and, and what we see in how it changes our church is because it changes our influence. It changes our influence. You know, the early church lived generously, but their motive was an influence. They weren't seeking to sway people for selfish motives. What motivated them was actually a love for God, a love for each other, a love for their fellow neighbor and man around them. But you see, when you love and you live generously, you can bet your bottom dollar that it will create influence. It will create influence that opens doors for the kingdom of God to advance. Let me give you some scriptural reference for that. Proverbs 18.16 says this, A man's gifts, a man's gift makes room for him, watch this, and brings him before great men. When it refers to great men, it refers to people of influence. Now, it's very important to hone in on that word gift there because that, that word is only used five times in the entire Bible. It's all in the Old Testament. And the Hebrew word there for gift is one that specifically refers to a financial gift, a monetary gift that is given either as a present, as an offering, or as a dowry, which is a marriage gift, which in those days was customary for one to give to the parents of one's soon-to-be bride. It was a way to honor them. You know, I remember... Uh, and, and for those of you that have been around here any length of time, you, you, you were here when this happened. But I remember just in 2020, uh, you know, we are a people that are driven to serve. We are a church body that looks for opportunities to be used by God. We are a church that is not comfortable sitting within four walls. That, that is just the truth about us. There are people that have left this church because that's not comfortable for them. That's okay. That's okay, but here, we believe that we are God's hands and feet. And so in 2020, we found ourselves in an interesting situation. The pandemic had just hit. Uh, there were a lot of questions. We didn't know what exactly was going on and what we could and couldn't do. And so there were a lot of questions hanging in the air. But one of the questions that remained for us was, how can we continue to serve our community despite the limitations? And we began to ask ourselves some tough questions and to pray about this and to research. And one of the things that we kept asking ourselves was, who isn't being helped right now in the midst of this pandemic? There were plenty of feeding programs, and we celebrate people stepping up and doing that. We thank God for that. We're not looking to recreate opportunities. We're looking to add and support what's happening in our community. But in asking ourselves this question, we realized that there was a key uh, player in the community that was suffering. You know who it was? It was local businesses, local restaurants. They were struggling. These are businesses that don't just provide a, a service to people in the community by way of food. These are also people that employ people, which means it impacts families, which means they directly play a part in our community. And so when we realized that, we recognized that God was showing us someone that we could be a blessing to. And all of a sudden, God gave us insight. 
Here's what we decided to do. We started a program called Giving Wednesdays. And with that program, what we decided was every Wednesday, we're going to give people the opportunity to give through our online giving portal. And whatever comes in, we're going to use and directly uh, translate that to buying food from local struggling restaurants. And we are going to take that food and in a safe and prepackaged, in a safe way, we took these prepackaged meals and we distributed it to portals where there were people that we knew had need, whether it was through residential programs or people in the community. And so we did that. We started that. Well, the first week that we started that, we got a call. We got a call from a community foundation. And they said, hey, we'd like to help you. How can we help? And my question to them was, well, how would you like to help? And they asked us a question that, I wasn't thinking about, but we were ready for. They said, if we gave you $3,500, what could you do with it? And what I said to them was, we will take your monies and leverage it as matching funds for people that give to our Giving Wednesdays program. Simply put, for every dollar that comes in, it becomes $2 because we were using their resources in, in, in addition to the resources coming in through people in the church to maximize our efforts. Well, guess what? That ran out in about three weeks. Right? Through your giving. Well, guess what they did? They said, what could you do with another 1500 Says, well, let's see what we could do. This is what we did. And so they gave us another 1500 Another organization comes in and says, hey, we'd like to help you too. Can we give 3500 We said, absolutely. Well, in total, through their giving and your generosity, we were able to invest over 23000 into businesses, thereby keeping people employed, thereby feeding people in need, thereby being God's hands and feet. But what I want you to consider is this. It's the influence that living generously created. Listen, God intends for his people to be people of influence. The church is not on the back burner. But it is the church that dares to do something different and be used by God that God can use to bring before great men who will use their influence to influence the kingdom of God and thereby expand this gospel. Come on, can we give God some praise today? You know, that's how our food truck came into existence. They said, we know who these people are. We understand their generosity. We, we were going to purchase a food truck for 25000 and we were ready to make that investment. And two foundations called us and said, We'd like to help you with that. How would you like to help? How does $15,000 sound? We said, well, thank you. We will gladly take that. And since then, you've helped to serve over 1,000 people through that food truck since August. Come on now. That's influence. What I want you to see is that when we dare to be the influence that God wants to leverage through our generous living, it creates opportunities for others to partner with the kingdom of God, whether they believe in Jesus or not, and effectually convey generous giving on all occasions. Man, God wants to leverage the influence of the world through the kingdom of God. Do you know who our greatest partners have been outside of the people in this congregation? It's not other churches. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. It's not other believers from other areas. You know who's been our greatest partner next to you and God? It's the world itself. It's the world itself. See, when we give our gifts, when we live generously, it makes room 
in, in, in through the lives of people that are people of influence. God is doing something amazing here. Let me give you one more reason why we should live generously and how it impacts our church, how it changes the church. And it's this, it's that it changes our impact. It changes our impact. I want you to consider something. That God is interested in his people being a people that affect impact. I'm reminded of the words of Paul, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, he, he, he equates himself to a boxer who's in a fight. And he says, and I don't swing aimlessly. He says, no. In essence, here's what he's saying. I'm going for contact. I'm going for impact. I want you to see that God wants his church to be a people that create impact. Impact. You know, years ago, I asked this question in the middle of a staff meeting. I said, if we ceased to exist in this region, would this region even notice that we're gone? You know what the answer to that question is? It's still the same today. I believe absolutely this community and this region would, would, would feel and would take note of the fact that we are gone. But let me tell you why. It's because we are interested only in impacting our community. We're not in this for a name. We're not in this for accolades. We're in this to bring glory to God and bring change and transformation to the lives of people, one person at a time. We are interested in depopulating the kingdom of darkness and overpopulating the kingdom of heaven. We are interested in bringing truth to people and helping them break past the lies that keep them bound and struggling. We are interested in creating practical impact, but more importantly, spiritual impact. One that lasts for, for the remainder of people's lives. I want you to consider the words of Jesus. These are meaningful words to me. I'll tell you why in a second. In John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus says this. Very truly I tell you. In other words, this is the absolute truth. I intend for this to work in your life is what Jesus is saying. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Listen to what Jesus is saying. We're created to do greater. Not that we are greater than Jesus. But we are intended to operate according to the same manner and fashion that Jesus operated. And he wants us to do even more. Now listen to this. He says, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's very important to get this understanding that Jesus isn't saying, hey, you can just ask for whatever you want. He's talking about according to his will. 
He's talking according to the impact that he wants to effectually work through our lives as a ripple effect. He's talking about greater things for a greater purpose, the kingdom of God. You know, weeks ago, Pastor Ned and I took some time to just go away for a weekend, a couple of days. And it was a time for rest, but it was also a time to dream and to plan going into this new year. And right around the fall time, something clicks in us. It's not like we even try, it just happens for us. It's like a switch goes off. We begin to pray and to seek God about, Lord, what's in store for us? What's to come in this new year? And while we were away, there was a moment where we mutually both kind of looked at each other and we just kind of had this sense, it was like, you know what? I just need some private time. I just need some, some time alone with the Lord, some time just to be by myself with the Lord. And, and so we did that. And while I was on a walk, this particular portion of scripture rose up in me as I, as I was in silence and just reflecting upon the Lord. And this, this, this scripture rose up within my heart. And when I realized then that I wasn't completely conscious of until that moment was that God was speaking to me. That God was casting a vision for this new year in 2022. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that our God is still the God that says in his word that he does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what we could ask or think. Our God is still the God that declares in his word that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men, the things that God has in store for those who love him. Our God is still the God who declares that he wants us to enjoy and walk in life in abundance. Our God is still the God that calls his church to be one that makes an impact because it dares to believe what no one else does. Because it dares to step out and step into realms that no one else has thought of. We, Church at the Bridge, are people that will do even greater things in his name and for his glory in 2022. And I am telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I declare and I decree this. That Jesus' words remain true unto you and I. There is even greater that God wants to do. But we must be people that not only declare it. We must be people that believe it. We must be people that say, here am I. I'm interested in being a tool in God's hands to fashion impact in the lives of people. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.